Hello everyone, and welcome to the Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I'm your host, Nathan Raglan, and today is a very special episode. Firstly, this is not just the podcast, this is a Christmas cast with some friends cast, or uh, just friends. With me today I have uh, Foster and Williamson from the Anime Egotist, and I have Jogger Joe. These are close friends of mine who are creating amazing content that I think you guys should follow with the links in the description below. Now, why did I bring this collective group of random hosts together? Well, it's because today's guest influenced us in more ways than we could imagine. Today's guest is Joe Horn, who has been a storyboard artist for years with the likes of TMNT, the original, Sonic the Hedgehog, to directing some of the most beloved cartoons of our time, such as Boondocks and Class of 3000, which is the main reason why I wanted to bring him on the podcast. That was a show that heavily influenced me, and I personally believe there's a lot more love than pop culture likes to give. I know there's a cult following on the internet, that's why most of you guys are here. I appreciate you guys, and I really do hope that you get to enjoy this episode as well as other episodes. I wanted to give a quick shout out to RDK Studios. If you're in the Atlanta area and you need a place to start up your own podcast, I highly recommend that you book a reservation for their studio. This is not paid advertisement or anything, I just really wanted to give them a shout out for how generous they were to help us out with this. I will say though, for this podcast, I'm giving you guys a fair amount of warning. This was the first time that we were in a collective group when it comes to recording a podcast. The audio is not going to be great, and I apologize. But I hope that despite the technical difficulties, you should be able to still enjoy a nice quality conversation and learn a thing or two about, you know, the production of the shows that you love or how to get into the industry, how the industry has evolved over 20, 30 some odd years. This is an episode that is going to be special for me and for my group of friends. More than anything else. It's not going to be perfect. I'll be the first to admit that. But this was an episode that I'm glad that I got to share with my friends more than anything else. And I hope that throughout this holiday season and forward, you get to enjoy some quality time with those that are close to you and loved ones. But without getting too emotional, and without further ado, please enjoy... The Postmodern Art Christmas Cast. All right, Joe, before we get started, I must start the question, the actual question to start every single podcast. What is your most unpopular art opinion? Oh, most unpopular art opinion. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I like showgirls. You like showgirls. Okay. Care to elaborate on that? Yeah, you could take a date to see showgirls. It's like taking it's like you could like taking a date to see the one with the J Lo if her husband isn't there. Yeah. So yeah, that's you know, I mean because and that's a is that Esther House? I think it's Esther House. Um it you know, it's a weird movie, man. You know, that's that crazy Elizabeth Berkeley. So you know what it is? That's the other remake of the Wizard of Oz. Right up there with, um, oh. <laughs> with the, yeah, with the David Lynch. That's the second remake of Wizard of Oz. Oh, third. I take it back. Fistful of Yen. Yeah, Fistful of Yen is a remake of Wizard of Oz too. Yeah. I've yeah. never heard David that comparison one. ever. Yeah, well, that's what it. Look, look, look at look at the David Lynch movie. Um, what is that? Lost? No, not Lost Highway. Wild at Heart. That's that's. Uh, Wild at Heart. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 um. With the garland, that's Wizard of Oz. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. If I start to go into tangents, that's that's just me going through a mental uh, filing cabinet in my head. So I'm that's, that's perfectly fine. Just now, I won't. So I the answer, mind going the answer, every single yeah, file in there. So. Yeah, the answer is Showgirls. Okay. Okay. But yeah. Showgirls is actually a good movie. Uh, is that Hilly One Die On? Well, I mean, some people think it's a good movie. Some people think it's bad. You know, it, you know, got a lady popping her tits open all the time. Hey, remember us? I'm like, that's some. Uh, I paid him to write that. I paid him to write that. Okay. That's what the producer says. He's okay. taking this Anderson. I paid him to write that. Uh, Boost pop out. Yeah, yeah. I paid them four million dollars. Uh huh. Okay. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I'm a Robocop fan. I'm a I'm a Starship Troopers fan. So, you know, the guy can do no okay. wrong. It's Verhoeven. You know, I I'm just if I gotta pick a fight, I'll pick a fight with him because he's not here. Okay. I don't know how we got this tangent, but I love it. <laughs> uh, but okay, but with that, we got the icebreaker out. Let's go ahead and get started with the postmodern art podcast. Welcome everyone to the podcast. Um, feel free to subscribe, uh, YouTube, follow on whatever streaming platform you prefer, and follow us at Postmodern Art Pod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guests. <laughs> He is a industry veteran with years of experience dating all the way back to the 80s and 90s. Uh, most prominently, he was a director for a amazing Cartoon Network show, uh, Class of 3000. Please welcome to the podcast, Joe Horn. Joe, how are you doing today? I, I'm good. And, and, and how are you today? We are all absolutely wonderful now that we're actually getting to sit down and chat with you. Good. So, so I'm just going to see the one person, right? But I'll hear three people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll are hear. Are they going to take terms like one Brady Bunch? The question, so. Yeah. Okay. I just want. Yeah. You know, I just want to know if I'm um, a Brady yes. Bunch thing. If going to switch screens on. <laughs> I Fair love enough. This um, I just wanted to go ahead and before we get started, I want to apologize to anybody who's watching like the YouTube version of this because of me dancing just after the class of 2000. It literally just my entire childhood just popped no, off. No, no, no. You're supposed to dance. You're supposed to Go ahead. It's supposed to dance to it. That's the way he planned it. That's the way he planned it. I just got to say, when he told me... You should look at the look at the Andre. There's Andre dancing on the YouTube channel somewhere. Right, right. Which I will be sure to link in the description. Yeah, he just... I got to admit, when he said... When he said we were coming to... We were going to be interviewing you, I definitely, like, I got nostalgic. Man, clap to 3,000... Especially, especially I guess with Class of 3000, it's one of those shows that like everybody remembers, but it flies under the radar of like notable cartoons that people mention when they talk about like, oh yeah, I watched it as a child. So like when he said that you were gonna be on and we we're gonna get to talk to you, I just got so excited because man, that was, that was a staple of my childhood for a long time. Time. Time, it's, it's, a, it's a weird we actually, thing, the time. Time is a strange thing. Before we continue, uh, I want to go ahead and introduce the fact that I have more than just one guest today. Uh, so, Alex, Richard, and Jogger Joe, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Age before beauty. I'm Richard. I'm one of the co-hosts on our uh, 
podcast, uh, Anime Egotist, with my co-host, uh, Alex. Yeah, my name's Alex, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Anime Egotist. That's backwards. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, hey, the Anime Egotist, we talk the best, worst, and stuff about the anime that no one likes to talk about, which is a tad, tad bit of self-loathing. But we still try. Mother, mother, uh, you've already heard me talk, but I just wanted to say, what's up, you guys? Um, like you said, my name is Jago Joe, amateur YouTuber, amateur ukulele player, uh, professional wrestling wannabe. I am currently training. I am a professional wrestling referee as well. So anybody need a spare ref, just hit me up. I'll see if I can make some things move. Um, follow me on YouTube. Subscribe to me on YouTube, I guess. We'll do all the plugs later. We'll do all yeah. the plugs later, I promise. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited to be here. Of course. Well, let's get back to the main attraction here. Joe, I just wanted to ask, before we actually get started with your career, I want to ask what was more or less the origin stories of you. What got you interested in art and animation? From humble beginnings. The origin story. Um, what's a good one? I'm trying to find something that's super exciting and... Um, you know, um, yeah, yeah, it was, um, no, don't do that. Don't mind me. I'm just going through file. <laughs> um, let's see. Why, why don't you ask a, a direct question and then I will give direct answers. That way I can't have time oh. to think about it. So if you said what high school you went to, why did you go there and stuff like that, I can answer that. That way I can okay. trick him. I, I'm, I'm trying to trick the other Joe, you see. There's two of us here. <laughs> I'm trying to okay, fair enough. Well, I'll start this, 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 I saw that you were growing up in uh, Newark, New Jersey. What kind of uh, influence did that have with uh, uh, the person and with your art career? Uh, Newark, New Jersey, a lot. A lot. Um, Newark is, uh, we used to be the um, um, capital of crime for many decades, and we lost to Miami, which is strange because we live right next to New York, but for some reason, Newark was the crime capital. Uh, okay. Oh, and from now on, I'm saying ohm. That's right. Yeah, ohm instead of um. So if you ever if you, if you catch me saying um, you gotta say ohm instead because I'm using cosmic breaths. Right. Um, Duly noted. Yes. Oh. Uh, uh, New Jersey is known for its sopranos uh, environment, and that is incredibly true, especially from the '60s to the '70s. Joe Pesci is from Jersey. Jerry Lewis, Sinatra, you know, it's a wise guy town, and it's a lot of wise guys in there until uh, you end up uh, leaving because of wise guys. It's all right, because by now, they probably know where I am and going to kill me anyhow, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, I have people I have people like that. I understand that. Well, it happens all through the picture. I'm, it's like a bad Martin and Lewis film. Um, let's see. Uh, Jersey, it was a high school, Arts High. Who's from Arts High, Joe? Um, oh, the guy who got killed, uh, Killmonger, it's not Killmonger, who's, um, Apollo? Who's that? Um, Apollo, oh, um, Apollo. Uh, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Black Panther guy, you know, he should be Black, no, this is gonna, yeah, I don't know how you're getting out of that one. Um, yeah, um, not Chadwick. Carl Reaver? Chadwick, um. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. Michael, Michael, Michael Jordan's from Artai. Okay. Yeah, he's, from, he's from there. Okay. Yeah, uh, he was in, he got killed. He got killed in 
Black Panther, but he plays Apollo's son. Oh, oh, Michael B. Michael B. Michael B. Yeah, Michael B. Yeah, think about basketball yeah. earlier. I'm thinking about basketball. No, no, not him. Yeah. Yeah, I get, I get that with football, but I don't play football. Wrestling, man, I don't know, man. You, what you need is good mic skills. That's what you need. Oh, okay. So high, okay. Yeah, high school. Uh, Larry Hazard was my homeroom teacher, and Larry Hazard okay. was the boxing commissioner for a while. He used to hang out with Tyson and stuff, and scared the hell out of me when he was on in the Ali movie playing the ref at the fight in Manila. And I was like, I can't escape my high school teacher no matter what I do. But I got his back because he put me in charge of the fencing team. So that was good. There's nothing more fun than running people through. That's a, I don't recommend it, but yeah, that was, that was good. So it was a good time in high school. That's New Jersey. Yeah. Then we, when we went to New York for college. So that's right next door. Okay. okay. Yeah. If I'm not, oh, going, if, if I'm not answering if I'm not answering you, just gotta tell me what I'm not, what I'm missing here, and I'll fill that in probably. Oh no! Look, man, I know you're filing through filing cabinets. I'm just letting you go through. Yeah, so. yeah. There's, there's a lot of people from that high school. It's Arts High School. So it's Arts sort of high like a, okay. I guess, yeah, I, I guess they call them magnet schools now. But back then, it was just a it's a school for performing arts. It's like a it's like we don't have a football team, but we have a we got baseball, basketball. No football team. Yeah, yeah, huh? Like a Wesley yeah, school for the performing arts. Yeah, but I never told him that because that would tell him that I understand where he's coming from and that would ruin the fun. So, yeah. No, no. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Well, no, if you tell him, then that's like telling him, that's like reading the script. You don't want to know. That's what the fun is. Of course. If I gave you the, that's why I, I don't tell, the, tell these, guys these guys everything. Yeah, if I gave you the script about your life, then you'd have no fun. That's. Spice. <laughs> yeah. So, well, speaking of getting back to the, the script of life, so you go from arts high school to uh, to college in New York. Uh, yeah. What was sort yeah. of like the main experience there when it comes to developing your art style? Okay. So okay, now we're in college. So that's that's School of Visual Arts. So that's Manhattan, and I'm a film major, but I'm a screenwriting major. But animation is cheaper to produce because you don't have to hire writers, uh, hire actors or sets, just draw it. So that was the economical solution to screenwriting back in college. You just animate it. And you okay. end up you you end up becoming a student of these of your professors and they're like, hey, you're you're pretty quick on the pencil there. You wanna work work for us? And I'm like, yeah, sure man, you know, and you get working for them and you know, um I would say I would get I would take a pen for this next bit probably because these guys are pretty badass guys, but you don't realize it until you look them up. I was a projectionist. That was where the fun was. Being the projectionist to all the different professors gives you an opportunity to see what they're thinking, what 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 their curriculum, what what they're trying to tell the other students. You can't say anything because you're the projectionist. So you know what you're going to show the students, but you can't, you know, someone from trying to give you a fiver, you know, or something. Hey, what's, are we going to be watching? Well, my, I can't tell you that. Oh, five, oh, Fantasia. Yeah, come on in. You know, it's like, but um, 
Yeah, uh, I would look up who's try try the historian first. Try the film historian. Uh, uh, Everett uh, Everson, William K. Everson. I was I was a student. Okay. But he was my his uh, William K. Everson. He was my history of film, and the history of film was very important to me because you got to know what you're talking about. But I took him because he was awesome. I didn't know who he was at the time. I was just his projections because he offered me the gig. You're projecting his own copy of Avogadro's Napoleon. It kind of figured out that you might be in trouble if you mess it up because it's it's like a rare old 1900s film and it's his own copy. Projector and you you're slowly doing the math like wow these things are probably quite important if I do something stupid with them while you're riding in the subway in Manhattan. So maybe I should have took the cab. So these are the things that go through your mind. But yeah, William K. Everson, he's a fantastic film historian. And most of the new New York filmmakers from that timeline, like Scorsese, De Niro, all these guys, uh, Carpenter, um, Dante, all these guys studied. Most of my teachers were like, like that Chuck Hirsch was our dean, but he is Charles, is Charles Hirsch? No, Chuck Hirsch is my dean, but he is, Hirsch, he's Paul Hirsch's brother who edited Star Wars. There's a lot of Star Wars connections, oh, unfortunately. Oh. Unfortunately, you're going to hear a lot of Star Wars connections. Boy, that Dave's doing a good job, huh? He's doing a good job. <laughs> Dave's yeah. doing a good job. You should look at Dave's work when he was my storyboard guy on Timo Supremo. Because that oh, was, okay. that's, when, that's when Dave, we worked, he was going to be my assistant when we're doing oblongs, but I got Ben Jones, who's an amazing director, but he's not the guy. Ben Jones is the other guy. Ben Jones was my assistant. Um, Filoni was uh, Vince Waller's. Yeah, he was Vince's roommate. That's right. So Dave was Vince Waller's assistant director next door. And I got Bob Jakes over here with, with Chong. That's right. Yeah. So that's where Dave shows up. And He's really good on uh, Laura Croft, and you know at lunchtime he'd come in and like you know uh, you know win the machine because you know I'm really bad at trying to save Laura Croft. So, but he came he came with us when we went over to do Timo Supremo over at Disney, and Dave was okay. like uh, like the the like I guess you call him a ringer back then. You know he was a ringer because you know you like put him. And he just like runs off. He's like, you know, I'm going to bring Techno back and you can't stop me. And we're like, we're not going to try and stop you. Go. And he just runs off and does it. And that's how he rolls. <laughs> I, think he's doing, I think he's doing a great job. Um, I don't know if you caught up yet, but um, you got to remember that Mark Hamill was the voice of the birthday bandit in Timo. So we would have like Dave uh, hang out all the time. He was a, Dave was like a huge, he, the right man has the right job. I'll say that. That would be putting it mm -hmm. fairly and safely. Yeah, the right man, the plan goes well. How about that? Yeah, I'll leave it at that, but yeah. Yeah, so he wasn't, he didn't- Yes, I, I never realized how to show how to be. <laughs> oh yeah, it was, a, it was a great show. Time travel, we, had, we did a lot of time traveling, which I don't recommend unless you know exactly what you're doing. Now he tells me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, yeah. We have yeah, a few yeah, 12 Monkeys is right, see? <laughs> <laughs> oh, where's my mask? Oh, wait, 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 hang on, hang on.
Should we? Oh man, should we put on our masks for this? I have to wait for that. Now. It's always, always, always carry my space helmet just in case for protection. Oh, right, this space oh that's okay. Yeah. I don't have a mask like that. Oh no, no, you get space helmet. You get space helmet. You know, you put it open. You know, you know, put it open. You're good. Yeah. You know, and then you get to tag it. You paint it. You paint it. You tag it. See, you tag yeah. it with your own paint job. So you should customize. It's the new trend I find. It's a, yeah. It seems to be a new thing. Customizing. Works for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's cool. But okay, so yeah. So. Anyway, so getting back to uh, <laughs> back to your art career and all this incredible stuff. I mean, again, you meet all these incredible people in college and such. What was like the first step for you, like going to like the actual career stuff? I was gonna say, I know in my research, I noticed that there was a lot of influence of the the mid to late 80s with like uh rock and rolling or Hulk Hogan rock and roll wrestling and the original TJP Ninja Turtles yeah yeah rock and wrestling yeah Hogan that was um man they didn't fight that thing really pissed me off they had no fight scenes and I'm like but they're wrestlers and they're like no we're CBS yeah, like, yeah but they're wrestlers no but we're CBS I'm like no it, it went back and forth. That's they wrestlers. Yeah, they should wrestle. You know, Piper, man. I love drawing the bad guy. A big Piper fan, man. <laughs> Fucking Piper was so cool. Oh, man. same here. Love Piper. Like, I always did them in Jack Kirby poses. If you watch Rock and Wrestling right now, you'll find out that all the bad guys are done in like Kirby poses from '60s Marvel comics. Everyone's like posed. Like they're like the frightful war, <laughs> or they're like the Inhumans and shit. It's like they're just getting a piece of cake. But I'm like, I don't care. I need to leave action poses. The action show. What's the matter with these people? It's like, you know, there was no rock and roll either. I was like, hey, man, what are you guys doing? It's a very good. Yeah, I want to see Hulk Hogan get an electric guitar solo. Where's my rock and roll? What he needed was. Cindy promised us that. Yeah. Where he needed a guitar solo while he was fighting someone in the ring, like he needed to do both at the same time. I'm hoping, I'm hoping they're, they're working on they're working on that Elvis show now, and you know, it can go either way. Oh, that's but, right. you know, that's right. The rules of Super Cowboy are very clear, and if you don't follow, you better be doing that taking care of business, that TCB style. If he's not, then there's gonna be some people. <laughs> Who are practitioners who are going to have some words with these producers? Because these guys, they don't—they're oh, they—they they, they don't mess around. And it's a good style too. It's a very interesting techniques. Lots of kicks. Because he's a—he's a. No, no, he's um. Who's that guy? No, he's um. No, he's an Ed Parker student. That's right. So a lot of hand moves, but a lot of kicks because of um, him hanging out with Chuck Norris. And, man, Elvis is don't. That stuff's real. No, no. He is much like the Buckaroo Banzai. Without, without the really good band, he doesn't have the backup band. Um, well, yeah. speaking of really good bands, but not really, um, I wanted to say, I know this while I was also doing my research, you did a lot of work on the Sonka Hedgehog show. Um, how was that experience like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we did the the silly one, not the dark Sonic. We were the silly Sonic. We were right, right. We were, not underground. You know, yeah, well, there was we were. We besides underground. Yeah, the, 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 the Sonic Underground was the network show. That's not me. We were the we were the syndicated right. one with the goofy trying to look like um, trying to be a Tezuka. 
I was trying to make a Tezuka show, but no one listens. But it's just, just do it, just do it. But that was fun. I had a good time because I had um, I did a lot of people getting kicked, a lot of people getting kicked in the butt, a lot of butt kicking. That yeah. was a big thing in yeah. in Japan. Lots of a lot of people like to get kicked in the butt. And they were cool with that. Literal. So who was that? I was about to say over the past several years. Over the past several years, I've noticed that show slowly developed like a meme-like cult-like following online. It's it's so interesting to see, but at the same time, I'm wondering what took so long. Why all of a sudden, like ten or twenty years later? What Sonic? Yeah, just that show in particular. I see that show hosted everywhere. It's 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 wacky because it's nonsensical. It got there before these other nonsensical things happened in the early two thousands. Which is another problem. Part of the problem. Yeah, that's uh, all the nonsensical stuff happening. Yeah, that's a, that's a problem now. But back then it wasn't. But back now it's a problem. Back then it wasn't. But it was like I tried really hard to give it like a Tezuka um, flavor to it, you know. So it so it felt like um, okay. watching like you know really. I was like take the in betweens out. There's too many in betweens. What are you guys doing? It's not choppy. Choppy. Must be like a like 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 Marine Boy. That doesn't look like Marine Boy. You know. I, I just wanted to say, I know you were talking about like a lot of these different uh, productions and such. Um, like you were talking about yeah. Tezuka with like, Hedgehog uh, or Jack Kirby. With How much of like art in the past influences what you do like in your work? All of it. All of it. All of it. Um, Boy, oh boy, I'm gonna try and explain this fairly. When I was okay. when I was younger in the '70s, my first subscription was Captain America, and I was very very happy. I was the happiest cat. I I saved that 12 bucks for a whole year, man. And I was gonna get my Captain America, but then um, who was it? Salva Summer left the book, and I was just like, what the hell? And this guy took over. Frank Robbins took over, and I couldn't stand him at the time. I was like, this guy sucks. This guy, Frank Robinson, draws charities of the ugliest things. Now I'm a huge fan. Changed my mind completely. But back then, if it hadn't been for like the exposure to Frank Robinson, Jack Kirby comes back right then for the 200th issue. But no, no, it, um, I would say Starenko is the man. And he's an escape artist, so Starenko. I mean, Kirby, that goes without saying, but no, Starenko is the collage work. Uh, Starenko's collages are almost as good to Kirby, if that makes sense. When they do, like, the big spread pages with, like, the cutouts. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I love it when they take it to the trippiness. You know, it's, it's not trippy enough. You know, Doctor Strange is pretty trippy. Yeah. You're, you're almost there. Yeah. Into the Spider-Verse, is, it's dead on. Phil and Chris nailed it, man. Those guys nailed it. Um, and who wins Disney? Because it's still a Disney product. Technically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything is at this point. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. You think it's you think it's made up, but I've been working for this guy since like '83. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Not you're not getting out. That was my first internship. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I think we need to. I think we need to get away from. This. I feel shame. I think we need to get away from the mouse before he starts popping up on our doors. Oh no 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 no! Um, Mickey Mouse is you know there's a plan there. There's a plan there. It's um 
I think the Disney stuff is as important as the Cartoon Network stuff for two reasons, obvious, two obvious reasons, but the most obvious reason I would say Disney comes first is because they actually are taking a proactive stance, bringing in people who usually are not known for their organization to be running production, if I'm being tactful about it. And the fact that Roy Disney went out of his way, not only to spearhead my, my, my promotion, but then back me up as I traveled around like Asia on a, like some crazy guy tour for them. But Roy took the, took the precaution of having all the studios overseas set up with different equipment to show the students or should I say the future employees how to animate, but still it was just, you know, I, I can still count the number of black animation directors at Disney on one hand and, and to be in that hand is not bad at this stage. And doubly so for Cartoon Network at that timeline, because, you know, I, I usually just be called the OBGH. Yeah. Only black guy here. Yeah. So that was me up to the 80s and 90s and 2000s and many students. There's only one black director here. Well, that's him, him, that guy over there. Right? It's, it's, not, um, it's not as grim as I'm spelling out, because when we went with the boondocks, we had like Tony and and Dennis and and Song is like a whole different, you know, he, that's the guy, that's a whole different ball game. But, but yeah, it's a very limited number of black animation directors. It's a strange thing. That's why I'm doubly happy for Spider-Man when it yeah. won, because a lot of people aren't realizing that that black director won an Oscar and no one pays attention to it. I'm like, I'm looking at it right there. Yeah. And Phil and Chris are cool cats. Yeah. Yeah. So I got their back. We go way back as well. There we go. I think they did good. There we go. Yeah. Like, I know we're talking about all these different influences. Like, you have Disney, Boondocks, Oblongs, Sonics. Was there a show you didn't have a hand in? <laughs> yeah. Yes, a couple. But those are the ones that I wasn't meant to be on. Okay. You know? Um, okay. Um, Ohm. Yeah. See, every time I'm catching myself, see? Ohm. Ohm. Uh, I think Batman was a lot of fun because Bruce Tim caught me. He called me out in front of the Rocketeer at the El Capitan in LA when it came out and he did his math. I only draw Batman, but he's the real Batman. So okay. I was coming out of the theater and he okay. called me out because he had an issue, but he let, he let it go. But he had to explain to me why you can't hit Batman in the face with a, app, with a pie. And I was like, no, I'm the Joker, so I can do that. And he was like, uh, check mate, okay. And so we got away with that, but I don't recommend <laughs> these guys take it very seriously. There's like you got your two camps. You got your Cape Crusaders and you got your Dark Knight. Your Dark Knights take this stuff very seriously. Yeah. That's like Dan Reba. Yeah. It's like Bruce Tim. Kevin Kevin O'Terry is just Kevin. Just period. So he can do whatever the fuck he wants. I don't mess with him. Anyhow, <laughs> Bruce is, is his show. And he he's Dark Knight. See, he's Dark Knight. He's not he's not Cape Crusader. But I'm Cape Crusader. And so they were like, well, let him do, we did, we did Christmas with the Joker and we hit Batman in the face of the pie. And, you know, I'm not going to take heat for it because Batman should be professional. He's above losing his cool for getting hit with a pie. Cause I, that's why I messed up on the storyboard. I had Batman say my turn 
and Bruce Tim goes, Batman wouldn't make it personal. He'll just grab him. Um, oh, so take it out. He was like, yeah, take it out. I'm like, all right, but we can keep it this time. So that was close because he does take it very serious. It's a good show though. You know, oh, absolutely. And I have fun with that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Robots, giant robots, kill the bat, you know, not really, you know, Batman's cool. Too. Was there a he's not my Batman. He's cool. Kevin Conroy, he's cool, but you know, Adam West is, he's the man, you know, because of Cape Crusader. So uh, there's uh, not a lot I can do about that. I just think he's wearing a giant bat suit and I think he should be, you know, he should be able to relax a little bit. He's dressed as a giant bat. Yeah. How do you take that serious? I don't know. It's true. I am the knight. I am the knight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I love Batman. I'm a huge Batman fan. Get there you me? go. There you go. Ben Jones, though, man. Ben Jones has the best Batman gag in animation right now. And he did it on Brave and the Bold and the double feature where he's fighting Owlman yeah. and the Joker's in his car. And Batman, turns out, has secret exits all over Gotham City where he can just appear. And he came out of a popcorn machine. And I was like, A+. Plus. There you go. So there we go. Because he could probably do it. He came out. It was nowhere. The popcorn machine was sitting in the middle of nowhere. And Batman jumps out of it. I was like, yeah. And he will catch you. I'm like, yeah, that's great. With all these productions that you've had so far, is there one that you remember like most fondly, like leading up to, you know, Class of 3000? Well, see, Class of 3000 is a different project. Each project is a different adventure. Each one has a different bunch of situations in it. Directing. It's, it's maybe misunderstood. It's more about firefighting okay. at the end of the day. It's basically okay. like, it's basically about putting out conflicts. You're, about, you're in conflict resolution, basically. These two guys over here can't get this thing done. So you gotta get them to work together because if they don't, then we all lose. That's what it's about. Um, 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 building cooperation between your teams. So then, you know, it's, it's like, um, like X-Men, you know, you gotta basically just like go in so each one is sort of like a family. So I'm basically getting to. So to say that one family, and there and those bunch of adventures are superior to this one would not be fair, because each one has different adventures in them. I went to the moon here, but I time traveled here. While well, we we met Captain Nemo here, you know it's like Josie and the Pussycats. You can't pick one gig. Yeah. Because each one is zany. It's all each of them has like interesting components in them, which make them memorable. And they're all learning experience, you know? You couldn't have gotten to here if you didn't go through there. And you had to go through there, whether you like it or not, you know? And that's the gig. It's not, it, it may seem what it's not, what it's not in reality, but in reality, it's, it's not as, but at the same time, I don't want to talk it down because at the same time, you know, even though Alfred Hitchcock is putting out fires, he's still Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about the Alfred Hitchcock of Class of Three Thousand then. <laughs> how, yeah. Okay. How how will you approach the project? Oh. Um, okay. You ready for this? Yes. This is a good one. Yes. Um, uh, where was I? We were we were on no was it Boondocks. I think we we're on Boondocks. Okay. No, I think Scooby Doo. Okay. We may have been on Scooby Doo. I know. I know we were on Warner Brothers Lodge, but Cartoon Network's Burbank. So. I kept coming back because Tommy, the producer, was trying to nail down the look of the show. It was going to be an adult show first, I guess. 
Oh, really? But they were going to turn oh, really? into children. Yeah, I was going to be on uh, Adult Swim first. But then Laszlo changed his mind because of the popularity of the star. And because Marquee Value pushed it into children's department, they had to get a uh, TV show going for him with the children's department. The, the night version was very different from what it became. Um, I don't know about that show, except for some interesting drawings by, um, who is that? He's a P-Funk, isn't he? He's with Overton. Yeah, Overton did like a couple of illustrations of Andre, but they didn't know what the show was. And they didn't have like a showrunner or writer yet. And then we met the writer who's just left Simpsons, Pat. He was season one. Mm -hmm. But then we come back. We keep coming back because they're looking for designs of the show. So Cartoon Network is like sort of like, you know, you have your different shows and each of the shows have their look. This is exactly what we're talking about. The um, house look. The house look of Cartoon Network was sort of like that sort of Billy and Mandy's like a thick line, blocky. Right, right, if, you, right. if you see the one, then you see that it's a it's a bad thing for all animation studios to do is to have a house look. The bad thing now is that everything looks like the Steven Universe looks like the Star versus all the same. It's like they only had one art director at the college they all studied at or something because and that's bad because it's monotonous. It all looks the same. And this happens a lot because executives don't want to take a chance. Timo was was supposed to be a knockoff of Powerpuff, and I was like, we got to go no superpowers because of this. They can't have superpowers because Powerpuff has superpowers. Kelman designed uh, Timo because they wanted to look like Powerpuff. I'm like, Kelman left the show. I'm like, well, I got to get a different design because it can't look. I, we got to look like Bullwinkle or something. Class of 3000 had every top designer in that studio take a shot at it, and Andre turned them all down. Wow. And wow. I'm like going, I don't think. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking I'm not going to go in there. And Donovan was the director at the time. Donovan Cook, he, he did like um, Two Stupid Dogs. Okay. Yeah, I was cool just art directing because I was just, my plan was just going to take <laughs> all of the designs that all the other artists at the studio did for the show and implement them when we get to the musical number. Because I know that's coming down the line because he's a musician. I'm like, well, then we're going to have to do Jackson 5 here. We're going to have to do Beatles. We're going to have to do different look for each song to spice it up. And I'm going to take those designs that didn't get greenlit for the show, for the characters. That way I can, you know, use them differently every week. Oh, uh, Donovan, yeah. But then Donovan left the show. Mm. And so Donovan left the show and Donovan was like, I'm leaving the show. I'm um, suggesting you to Tommy and Andre. And so Andre comes up, he comes to visit. And he goes, I've been through every, um, I've been through every designer here. And I'm like, I, I, I got it right here on the wall. I'm looking at it. I'm the art director. And he goes, what would you do if you were going to direct? And I'm like, well, it ain't what I'm going to do. It's what you're going to do, isn't it? It's your show. How does it look to you? And he was like, no one ever asked me that. Well, I'm like, they should have asked you that day one, bro. It's your show. What does it look like to you? So we get, we got this guy, Dave Coleman. From we worked on Boondocks together. He comes over, and his only thing is just to like just hang out with Andre. And Andre just started talking, and we wrote all these notes down. And what we came up with was like the circular movement. Like it's very like the Hirschfield, wasn't it? It's very anti-house look because when it, that was the main problem because it kept going against the house. But then Andre kept coming back on. 
noodle, noodle, more keep it noodle, because it looked like musical notes. So he went with that. And so that, I think, got us the gig. And it was just, it was just logic. Ask, always ask someone what you want, you know. You know, I'm going to give you the car that I designed. No, I want the car that I want, you know. And the same thing. I mean, I, I'm surprised they didn't ask that in the first place. Cause in fact, he's the guy producing the show, you know. Well, you know, it's quasi main character. Quasi main character. Well, it's 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 just a tricky thing because each of these guys, you know, well, I'm doing, I'm I'm doing monkey. I'm doing, I'm samurai. I am I'm this. And they that's this is the most this is the most important thing about animation or art, especially in animation. You got to be flexible. And you gotta be liquid. You gotta be harmonizing. You gotta be water. Bruce Lee's right, man. You gotta like not have one style. If you're John K, you can't go and do Sleeping Beauty. You can't do Dalmatians because I only know the John K look. Well, that's too bad because you're supposed to be a professional animator, and professional animators could take a model sheet and do anything to it and keep it on model. That's your job. You gotta be like chameleon skills. These cats now, everyone's got this one style, and that's all they know. If you don't buy my style, then you don't buy my sh That means you're not a professional animator. You gotta be able to like draw every style. I need you to draw Bugs Bunny tomorrow and give me Mickey Mouse today. A professional animator takes the model pack and can do that. Can't do that now. Unless, of course, you're overseas. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, you gotta, you gotta be jack of all trades. You gotta be friggin' liquid, vapor. I'm drawing, I'm so drawing Ninja Turtles today. So I'm drawing Ninja Turtles today. I'm drawing like Sonic Hedgehog tomorrow. This is why we're on all these things. Cause you gotta be yeah. adaptable. You can't just draw one style. You're a professional animator. That, that, that's, that's job one. You know, Disney hires you without having to, have, have, you don't have to animate when you join Disney. They teach you to animate. You just gotta be able to draw. That was the old way in the 40s. Now we're backward. Now you just got to draw a style and you think that's your show. And it's like, you should try to avoid that. You got to be able to draw all styles. And it gives you a broader look, broader outlook, right? Yeah. It's, it's good to, 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 to expand one's creative Diversify. endeavors. If you can draw one thing, draw more. And, if, and that, it's like, I can drum... No, I'm no, I'm working on my drumming. Yeah, my drumming is not as good as my. No, I got work on my keyboard. Yeah, my keyboards are really sucky. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you can play one instrument, then you should learn them all. But this is not that. This is just being. Just look at art as. Don't look at what you see. Look at what it is. That never makes sense. There we that, go. That only works when you're drawing. Go. Don't draw what you see. Draw what's there. Right. And that your interpretation right. is correct. Your interpretation is correct. There is no wrong. A lot of people think there's wrong, but that's that's where they mess up. I'm sorry, I'm drifting. No, it's fine. I, I was about to say, you talking about adapting actually led into one of my questions, dang. Here, go for it. Yeah. So, so uh, one of the questions I had, because you, you're you obviously a veteran. You've worked in, you've worked in, and like we talk about, Sonic the Hedgehog, Class 3000, Mega Man at some point. And you talked about like adapting or changing your style. Is there a certain mindset that you go through or just process that you have when you think to yourself, I have to evolve, I have to change? Yes, all the time. Yeah, all the time. I have to evolve, I have to change. Dude, man, it, it's it's so 
essential for the species for like the entire you know um earthlings you know that's the whole thing we're suffering from a perception issue obviously because we're not seeing we can only see what our it's four senses right yeah we can only see what the four senses allow us to see but there's actually sixes six senses going on but we're not we're not supposed to be dealing with that just deal with the four but we even have a hard time with that and adaptability it's an, it's essential if you don't change you don't grow and you don't grow you stagnate you die so you need to keep changing i i suggest not just changing but suggest risk going so far out that by the time they catch up that's where you're at that's where you should be i give it like 8 year you want an 8 year lead usually i'll tell you, you want some scary you want some scary sure sure if you watch the if you watch the stevie and zoya cartoons from the 80s from mtv you're going to find out that the bad guy just lost the election and i'll leave it at that because I looked at that in retrospect and it was the 80s and it was New York and he was the obvious bad guy and he was John Warlock and he won and so I'm I'm just concerned about the other half of the ending where the aliens show up and he still has 3 weeks to go so all bets are off kid <laughs> I I guess they really are <laughs> Yeah yeah if you I know, can uh, Simon Bar Sinister and Riff Raff still have time. They still have time. <laughs> Let's backtrack a little bit. I want to get back to to Class of Three Thousand a little bit because this is one of the major things I did want to talk about. I know you mentioned a little bit about being basically a firefighter, but what was kind of the experience like for directing uh, Class of Three Thousand? Okay. Um. 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 Okay. Um. Um. The biggest challenge was trying to okay our first attempt this is funny okay our first attempt was trying to talk Andre into heavy rotation okay that was my first move okay hey you know this song right here peanuts is really really good oh you like that yeah you know we could use that song i don't know three more times you don't really have to go and make a new song every week no man i'm going to make a new song every week Nah, you know, it takes a lot of time to actually, you know, go and you know the monkeys. You know, we can watch the monkeys over here. That Pleasant Valley Sunday. You know, they use that song. It ain't gonna happen, man. No, I'm making a new song. That's what I'm about, you know. And I'm like, so then the producer is like, my boss goes, did you talk about uh making more songs? I'm like, uh, he went to make a new song now, and he'll be back when he's done. Yeah, we didn't tell you to do that. But I know, but that's what he said and it's his show, so we're going to wait until he's done. And sure enough, you know, there were some killer. There were some killer songs, so our yeah. best bet is not to mess with that. But I was, you know, trying to, you know, be cheap about it and fiddle uh, fiddle sticks on that. Uh you you will get a song, but he didn't do it because that was the adventure. Um Okay, uh before I go on, I got to mention that Pat Irwin was the musical supervisor on the show. Okay. Pat Irwin, okay. unbeknownst to everyone, but except for me because that's why we got him. Well, no, he worked on Rocco, that's right. Oh, okay. Pat Irwin. Okay. Is uh 
was a founding member of the Ray Beats, produced one of my favorite albums, uh, Romeo Void. That's his album. And he was the keyboardist for the B-52s from 1989 to, like, uh, 98. So, no, no. no. And so, but that wasn't the thing. Pat had to uh, fill in when Andre couldn't make his deadlines for songs because we had a deadline to get these shows done to get them on the air. And I had to try to explain this carefully because it's his show, but he's, like, got to get the songs for his show done. But he... You know, he explained that he had to take care of some things and couldn't make it. Happens all the time, so that's when you got to put the fire out. Mm-hmm. And in this case, we had to use a secret weapon because Pat couldn't do all of it. This was the Christmas episode, that's right. So we had to use an emergency phone call and had to use a favorite chip and had to call Devo. And that was the one thing. And they, and they did the Christmas episode. So Devo actually is the music on the Christmas episode. Okay. If you look at the credits. Okay. It's Devo. Those guys are like the Ghostbusters. They show up. You got a problem with music, <laughs> and then they just take care of it. You know, it's kind of like the Fantastic Four, but they're all dudes, and there's five of them. But it's sort of like that. They're like sort of like Ghostbusters. Is there a fire here? Yeah, yeah, right here, right here, Mister Ghostbusters. Sir. Well, this needs some rock and roll. <laughs> It was cool, man. Oh, they they, they <laughs> saved the show. They saved that episode. So Andre comes back. And he's like, wow, I didn't know you were going to call them. I'm like, you know, when push comes to shove, you know. Next week, we're going to call George Clinton. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. That was a very Yeah. We, that show was almost George Clinton's, actually, if I remember really? correctly. Really? Back at this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tommy was trying to do a night show. And George Clinton couldn't make it, so he got Andre. It was some weird thing. I couldn't tell Andre that that you know I. Oh man, what was it? Speaker Box. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't talk about that because that was a really good album, it but it wasn't Love Below. Love Below, I, I get it, but Speaker Box got like the 808 and everything. That opening, opening riff, man. I don't know what to tell you. One second, I just want to say, Jogger Joe, I I know. About to say he's pleading with us. <laughs> I'm, I'm over here chopping up the bits. Um, okay, so you you kind of touched on it, but what was your I guess what was your approach to the fact that like you mentioned it? You know, every week y'all had a different song. What was what was your approach to direct each episode, knowing that there was going to be a new song from yeah, okay, so we had two weeks, two weeks turnaround for the animation for the musical number. Two weeks? Yeah, yeah, so the deal, the deal we made with Andre was to get at least a click track so I could, like, make a, a tone poem for the crew. So a click track is going to be just a basic eight count of the song. Just give me, like, a song with the eight count so I know where the beats are hitting on the song. I make a, a click track and mark on the film like with a big X where the beats are landing and hand that out to the animators so they know where the rhythm is. And then they just animate to whoever the guest art director's designs are and animate based on the storyboard to that. And they got two weeks to do it. It was Jeff Medical and Travis Blaze. Travis Blaze was a Disney animator from Florida. And Jeff worked, he's a Teen Titans, isn't he? Yeah, he's Teen Titans Go. That's Jeff, Jeff Medical. And the movie. They got Stan Lee. That was pretty smart. Yeah. That was yeah. very smart. In a DC movie. Yeah, check and made. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, two weeks. Um, and it's two weeks, 24 hours. Yeah, you got two weeks every hour within that two weeks. So yeah, we're not kidding. And they were, they were like, you know, we're animated. We're trying to cut corners, but there, there's some, you know, actual animation going on here. Yeah. And I got to get the art direction from the guest artist to the animators so they can start drawing as soon as they can. And they're like, I can't do anything if I don't have a song. And I'm like, I hear you. I hear you. And I'm going to get at least a, a click track so you know how the groove goes. So by the time we get to post and get it to like post-production, I'll have the completed song and we'll just mix it down. But, you know, I would need the animation at least to have that. So yeah, no, we animated the musical numbers in-house and then we did the animation of the show proper overseas. Okay. okay. That was the, uh, that was the way to do it. So the answer is you animate the musical songs in-house and then you do the show proper overseas. So you just drop them in like a car, uh, car, um, compartment. Okay. Drop them in. Okay. I mean, I, I, uh, from the outside looking in, I guess we don't really know how animation works. So I guess that's incredible to, to get that kind of insight, more or less. Yeah, it's um, it's twenty-four frames a second, and mm -hmm. that means the very minimum would be two draw, uh, two frames of drawings. So that's twelve drawings a second, and then the very, very minimum of doing like anime. So it's three draw, uh, three drawings a second. So that's six drawings a second. So it's six minimum, 24 maximum a second drawing. I know you talked about how uh, Andre was writing a song every single week. Did you guys have like the story beforehand or like did you make the story around the songs that he made? I was thinking that too. Oh, um, oh uh, he will. He will he, um, the writers are writing the script and Andre gets a copy of the script and you 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 get a moment where the music he tell the script tells you where the music is going to go in but you got like after the first draft you've got until andre comes up with the name of the song which is coming up really fast because once he gets the script he starts you know the head the, the wheel starts turning and he'll call you and it'll be any time of the day or night and he'll just go hey you know this this uh kung fu man with the with the UFO ninja, man. It's got to be like, you know, Asia. I'm like, I hear you. I hear you. He's just like, yeah, you know, it's going to be like, like the old Kung Fu show, you know, with the, with the quiet chat. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I need it. I need it. Uh, two weeks. <laughs> and he's just like, but you, you got to go with it because you know, um, I, I, he's sort of, no, he is, he's a genius. So you just gotta yeah. just be there to watch it happen. And it's fun to watch it happen. But at the same time, you got these guys with pencils waiting to jump on it. So it's like, you know, but you gotta wait and see him unleash it. Cause once it happened, it's like, okay, I'm going to call this one cool kitty. I'm like, yeah, that'll work. Um, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. He's just like, Hey, don't worry, man. We're going to do it. And he does it. Yeah. He's sort of like, he's sort of like, yeah. He's sort of like Jimi Hendrix meets um, Sly Stone. Jimi Hendrix meets Sly Stone at Bootsy Collins' house with lots of girls. Yeah, yeah. He's he's much yeah. like Elvis. He's much like the Elvis. Yeah, he's much like the Elvis. The uh, the recommend. Oh, recommendation is um, uh, Manny Petty. That's the tip off for you cats out there. Manny Petty. If you want to know where the action is. Get your nails done. 
That's what he said. <laughs> and, you know, this guy hangs out with Prince, so he must know what he's talking about. So, hey, I'm going to get my nails done. There we go. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say real quickly. Uh, when it comes to how involved was Andre with the process as a whole? Like, because I know some people can just be like producer in name. I mean, you said you know he made the songs and whatnot. No, all through it. This guy had his own wardrobe. He brings his own wardrobe with him to the to the studio. I mean, like a whole rack, like a like a shopping rack, you know. And they're like different outfits because he's got a shoot. This guy, when we did the main titles, Rob, man, I, he was like serious. He's like, uh, he liked the turntable idea, and he, they turned the whole front of the studio into like a, a set so they could shoot that kid spinning the turn. We have four different kids because it was going to be a different DJ every week. But the editor, you know, we had to get those deadlines done. But yeah. no, no, he he was like yeah. hands on. It's not even no. He if he if he couldn't make it, it was obviously because he was out, you know, fighting crime or something. <laughs> it is Buckaroo Banzai. Don't be fooled. These things are real. It doesn't look like that because we're on the outside. But when you're in there, it's it's crazy, man. It's like a whole. It's like a like it's like with the Harryhausen monsters with the with the skeletons. It's all real. Fair enough. I can just only imagine like if Andre 3000 was to be a crime fighter, like imagine his theme song being the uh, Hey Ya. <laughs> I was about to say, you know, the funny fun fact considering Sonny Bridges was actually a superhero one episode, so I find that hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We don't talk about that because Sonny is he's a magical guy. He can do anything. We don't tell the audience. Right. I can tell you guys because it's over right. now, but you know, it's much like the Willy Wonka. We don't tell you. We don't tell you, but. But you know, the house disappears. I think that gag worked. We just—it's not that the house disappears; it's just camouflage. It just looks like the trees. Oh, there we yeah. Go. <laughs> I I love the excitement that uh, Jogger Joe had right there. Not <laughs> to say, should we send someone there? Literally, because when I watched that show, I was like, okay, th there's more that we're getting out of something. Like he—he's not telling us something about himself. He's not just this teacher that came back. Like no, 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 no. What? what his concern was to shoot it on location. So we had to go to Atlanta with photographers and get all this fantastic shots of the city. And we pulled that, took it back and had a background on like use, we, we, it's on location basically. So it's not New York, it's not a generic city. It's actually, you know, five points. It's, it's a shot on location because he was, he's deadly serious. We had to go down here. Yeah. And I'm glad I did because yeah. that's that's where that Gladys Knight has that her her man that chicken was awesome dude and her greens Gladys Knight has a restaurant man and and that peach cobbler it's crazy talk I don't know man we did Ida's we did Ida's you don't want to eat like that heavy stuff we did the whole Ida's no one watched that these are educational shows you know. Yeah, I just yeah. boondocks, you know, with yeah. the with the with the that that Luther's a real sandwich, man. That's Luther Van. That's a real sandwich. Yeah. I was gonna say, did you have something you wanted to say? My goodness. I guess, like, with you, you mentioned you earlier your work on boondocks and how you would fit them on location, like going to Atlanta. Atlanta, of course, having a lot of culture for black people for or black people and there were the show was different because it, it, there wasn't any one token black character there were 
there was the show itself was actually very diverse was there but unfortunately a lot of people nowadays might not see that as a good thing was there did you have to jump through any hurdles to make the show as diverse as it was or did that just come naturally okay once again andre was very serious about it and he talked about the people he grew up with back home i just wish that I used that time device to meet the real Madison. But other than that, um, he was very adamant about a diverse crew. And to the point where, you know, I mean, I think the only thing we had to get rid of was Cheddar Man, because I just thought he was, he was just in the way. And the preacher, the preacher mm-hmm. and Cheddar Man had to go. They were just in the way. But this is like your, you know, that's mostly not him as much as it's your showrunner, the writers trying to figure out who, that's like, you know, Skinner. Like, you know, these guys were coming from a, I'm going to put this very carefully, from a prime time animated environment, the writers. My writer, my writer was Patrick, and he's awesome. He's um, Futurama now, Patrick Verone. He, he was the head of Writers Guild. He's awesome guy, very deadly at trivia. <laughs> you could say something random about the little rascals and he'll pick it up, but he came from a world of animation where animation was being used mostly for sitcom purposes and so when you walk into a building that says cartoon network over the door you have to realize that you're not doing a sitcom show where when you say the gag you immediately cut to a visual of what you just said the redundant issue because we're not doing that so the most important thing I think we were able to pull off on that production, which we always do when we direct the show, is get rid of the storyboard reel. Um, for some reason, writers have a tendency to want to have a storyboard uh, showing of the script. You know, it's, it's uh, I call it animatic. Basically, um, we call it like a reel, and it's supposed to so you can see how the animation moves. But because of a show that started about 33 years ago now, I, I worked on, what, The Babysitter and Sisters, right? Yeah, Penny Marshall. So, yeah, I'm episode three. Back then, the show was more animated. But then the writers um, were able to achieve the greatest mistake in animation history. They got the network to approve of unlimited creative retakes from the overseas studio. Mm-hmm. So that means mm-hmm. that the overseas studio can... You can like write something and if you don't think that's funny you can go back to the studio and have it reanimated regardless of all the manpower or power you know animation power behind that production if you if they don't think it's funny or if it's not selling in the room they were able to go back and rewrite and redraw complete episodes until they thought it was funny enough and i personally don't think that's the way to run an operation but i had to deal with a lot of these sort of writers and produces it because these guys are put into a position where they get to tell the artist what the show looks like, how the show should be run. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. That's one of the contingencies of me working on this project. You don't get a story reel. Please pardon the interruption. We were experiencing technical difficulties as this was the point of the interview where Joe's feed decided to cut off and we had to wait for him to return. Here's a fact for you. Did you know that Sonny Bridges is not the only voice acting role that Andre 3000 had? He also voiced the Crow in the 2006 adaptation of Charlotte's Web. And now we get back to our interview. What was your first concert, you guys? 
My first concert. Oh, I went to. Uh, actually, my first concert wasn't until I was like nineteen. Went to a Justin, yeah, Justin Timberlake Went to a Justin Timberlake concert with my parents and got hit on by a forty-year-old woman. It was weird. <laughs> okay. Uh, mine was a. What was it? Star ninety four concert or something like that? I, 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 can't be, to... I don't know. I no, I'm trying to remember what the radio station was. Uh, yes, there was a Star ninety four. Yeah. yeah, Star ninety four. It had Daughtry, Catherine McPhee, and someone else. Uh, uh, I heard the question. My first actual concert. Uh, yeah, first concert. Uh, it was the it was one that on college just got him Somo. And he did a concert at the first concert, the first like ever concert. That was your first concert. First one. I'm trying to get to a Mark Hopefully. And Richard. That's cool. Yeah, mine was a Jimmy Buffett concert. Did you get hit on by a 40 year old woman? Probably. It was a long time ago. I was in middle school. That's that makes it weirder. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, you miss them now, but yeah, they're they're very essential. They really are. I wonder what that woman's doing right now. <laughs> Anyways, now that we got you back, let's jump right back into concert. You need to keep the concert part. This this is good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean I'll I'll put like a technical technical difficulties thing or something like that. Hey. All right. Anyways. Um I wanted to jump back into Andre 3000, not Andre, but uh, Class 3000. Uh, I know, correct me if I'm wrong, for every single music video, you had, did you have a guest animator for the music that was made for the show? Uh, it was guest art director. Guest art director? Guest art director. Yeah, we had two in-house animators, but we had guest art director, so every week it was a different art director. Was there one that you prefer, like, or like your one that's your favorite? No, it's like they're all good. They're all different reasons. It's like, you know, this week it's Peter Chung, but next week it's John Kay, but then this week it's like uh, Kane Maker, but then it's um, yeah, like Jorge Gutierrez. Oh, who's that guy? Like Jorge really Gutierrez. Who's that guy? Um, the British guy. He was really good. The, um, the guy who did the Beatles stuff. That was really cool. No, I can't He's imagine. doing um, Alberto. Yeah, Alberto. He did Spider Verse. Um, oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, he worked with Charlie on Tron. Yeah, Albert. He's a really good artist, man. He did the Teacher of the Year video. But they're all good. Megan, Megan did the cutouts. You guys see the one with the cutouts. Um, cool Kitty. That's yeah, Megan. Yeah. He did, like, 50s traditional cutout. That's really good. Um, shucks. Each of those guys. Um, who's that? That's the... Um, Bill Sinkevich. Awesome, man. He did the first episode. And all he had to do was draw cutouts. I'm like, and he got paid. There we awesome. go. There we <laughs> go. Yeah, it's like, um, Kyle Baker is awesome, man. That guy, he wanted to animate the whole thing himself, but he didn't have to. But yeah, he's really, he did like two of them or something. They're all good. Yeah, I can't have a favorite. Each one is a different assignment. And it's the challenge, the challenge is um, getting it, you know, get through it. You know, here's the song, here's the art look. And then you hand it to the animators, and then they beat you up. But yeah, all right. There we go. No, oh. um, well, no, no. I don't have eight. Um, unless I pick my own, and I'm not gonna yeah. do that. <laughs> Wait a minute, I did the creepy one. No one likes mine because I did the creepy one. But I think Which the creepy one. Cool. 
All we want is your soul. Oh, that one was a good one. No, no, that's Charlie. Charlie B. No, Charlie. Is, uh, we went Charlie. to school. No, no, I did clean up with the with the genie. Oh, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, I'm Sam. I am. That's my uh, that's my pen name. Oh, but, you know, wow. That's that's my producer. That's Kelly. She's the producer of the show. She's a she plays a housewife. All we did was like take her mouth and eyes and stick them on a on a, on her face, but. She wasn't having it. She was. I got in such trouble. Man, <laughs> <laughs> she was really cool about it. It was fun. I thought it came out really good. Nice that, that did turn out really good. Now I think back on it. But you know, she was. She that didn't go. I had to buy. It. She was really pissed off, man. She said, "What you do to me?" I'm like, "You're in the cartoon. What are you talking about?" Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. But I wanted to jump to this question. This was one of the ones I really wanted to ask. Um, for those that know about the show and how it sadly had to go off the air was because of a lawsuit that I don't want to get into. But I do want to ask, um, at that point, I know animation takes a while. How much was exactly planned or like left on the cutting room floor at that point? Like, was there any plans for like a season three before all that stuff went down? Or like, where were you guys at when that happened? When okay. That happened? Okay, so... We found out about the, the legal action toward the middle of season two or the, or the front of season two. It's not like it was a problem with us. Uh, I, would, I, I would have brought up Mission Magic. There are other shows before Magic School Bus that could have been used in the case, but obviously I'm not the lawyer, but I would have just been like Mission Magic, case is closed. He's a magical teacher. Yeah. You know, that should have been yeah. And the judge, the, the judge obviously agreed. I will take points. I'll, I like I like getting I like the fact that the show was legally called a a, a a good show for kids. So that's having it put in legal uh, type and put into a Boston thing is fine. It's just a drag that these sort of things, you know. But I think I think the message that needed to get out got out. I hope. I think it was more about selling the the game with the show. There was a online game where you could make your own songs, which we thought was the important thing. Yeah, Rockbox. I think it was called Rockbox or something. It was a, you know, you can play, it's sort of like Fruity Loops. It's like a music uh, mixing program. And you can make your own songs. And that was his thing. He was very adamant about, you know, because there was like a, they were taking music out of school. So he was, that, that didn't go over well with him. So he was like, well, we got to come up with some way kids can play music. I'm like, yeah, let's give them like a thing online. Yeah, so it was like Rockbox. I think we called it that. And you just could play instruments. You look like the kids from the show, but it was just like a working, like easier version of, of like um, most commonly used musical mixing programs, isn't it? Isn't that what that is? I believe so. Um, Fruity Loops. I believe so. Same. Yeah. Um, just not remembering the name of the exact program but it's a very famous musical editing film a uh, music for it. and we were just trying to get the kids to do that too i thought it worked i think you can still use it i don't know if it's still online i'm sure if you can use something like the wayback machine or something you might be able to, say, to i was about to say i looked i looked back i i don't know how far back ago i looked but it it should be still around i messed around with it for a little mm. longer than i should have been i could have been productive doing something but i'm like no i'll just keep doing did it run on Java though? Maybe. I have it no idea. it I might have not no work idea. now. I have no idea. 
I'm sure someone's. I'm sure someone's fine. But you know, you know the the the. It was a game, but that was his thing. Um, the 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 show was just to promote um, the education of music. That was the plan. The plan was to promote. Uh, the, no, the plan was to promote fun. If I remember correctly, the exact orders were uh, fun with music and art. Go. There we go. There we like, go. Okay, yeah, yeah. It worked. I think it worked. Oh, I think it worked in that. Oh, I think it worked in that. Oh, absolutely. You know, you know. I mean, now it would be tricky because Philly Phil is 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 not played. You know, it's Phil. Yeah, Phil. No, no, yeah, Philly no, we Philly. Had, it's Phil playing Philly Phil, but because of the current climate, they may have an issue with that. I don't get it. I think that's stupid. All this is stupid. You should be focusing yeah, focus this energy on, on real more. problems, you know? I, they, that could be focused on real problems. That's a waste of time. I do remember, I was gonna say, I do remember Philly Phil and everybody else having like only eight fingers, but Eddie, since he was rich, he had 10. I do remember him with that. That's a good gag. 10 fingers? Wow, you are rich. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like the third um, episode. Yeah, you want that? That that's Eddie. Eddie, um, Wayne oh, Cochran. Wayne Cochran is the name. Wayne Cochran. He is basically called the the white James Brown. Uh, he was a soul singer, a white soul singer in the '60s. He was in this movie CC and Company oh, with Joe oh, Namath, okay. and his big song was CC Ryder, and his haircut. It's Philly, uh, it's Eddie's. I, I had to get that haircut on that kid. That, that giant yellow <laughs> pompadour. It's a real haircut. Just look up Eddie Cochran and then you're going to see, no, Wayne Cochran. His name's Wayne Cochran. You type in Wayne Cochran and you're going to see the majestic haircut that ended up on Eddie's head. And he, this guy had capes. His all, all the band members all wore capes. He's cool. Yeah. <laughs> CC. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Wayne Cochran. Look at look at Wayne Cochran haircut. Something tells me that something tells me that uh, Jogger Joe has found the photo. Yeah, oh, you found it. Yeah, that's Eddie. Oh my God! I don't know if anybody can see this. Look at this. Oh my God! Oh my God! It's him, right? That's him, right? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, it's Eddie. Yeah, that's Eddie's haircut. I now see why. <laughs> that guy's a badass thing. He's like James Brown, but not. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to make this <laughs> my wallpaper. Good man. <laughs> you guys are perfect. Well, Nathan, now you now, know. Now you, now you know Eddie's secret haircut. Yeah, Nathan, now you have a Halloween costume for next year. Oh no, don't you dare. Please. No. He looks fabulous. You guys never. You guys haven't brought up oh. Pee Wee's Playhouse yet. That's pretty interesting. Oh, excuse me. Oh, is there something I missed about Pee Wee's Playhouse? To say, my dad loves Pee Wee's Playhouse. Me and him used to watch it all the time. I'm well, trying. We, we worked on that show. We, we did the El Hombre cartoons. Say, oh, really? Be, I was just saying to be fair. I'm letting this is your podcast. I'm waiting. Fair for enough. You. <laughs> so, so you can go to your dad and go. Yeah, I talked to the guy who worked on your show too, Dad. Oh no shit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to El Ombre. El Ombre's on the phone with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, what was the experience like working with that? That was 89, 90 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the Playhouse. Yeah. No, we dealt with children's entertainment for a while. But yeah, no, he's a good boss, too. He's a cool boss, actually. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. The more but, rock, the better. It's not, but, it's but, not, 
Not enough rock. <laughs> Fair enough. Or um, music. Fair enough. Yeah, Soul um, Train show is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we got yeah. Fatima. She was a choreographer on Soul Train. She was Andre's choreographer. And she sent a dancer in for one of the music videos. It was awesome. This lady was like Eartha Kitt. And she came in and she just like, <laughs> the guy who was art director in that episode, I didn't tell him. And he turned around and, and this lady walks in and she starts dancing in his, in his office. I'm like, what's that? You should be filming this because this is the girl you asked. Remember that? You asked for her. You know, well, I should have ordered a pizza. Well, you didn't order that. You got the, got the lady, you know. You know? No? I guess not. Uh, I, I could just listen to you talk for ages, I swear. <laughs> well, you know. Same. Same. Um, I, I, so what was I? I, I? What was I? We talked about. I, I, we're talking about uh, music videos, um, oh, songs. Uh, Life Without Music uh, yes. sold me on that we were going to be all right. That was the first song that we got animated, and that was the John K, right? Yeah, so we did that one, and I knew it was going to work out. Because I, I had to get Ben Jones. That was the whole thing. I had to get Ben Jones away from Warner Brothers. Because he was like, you know, my assistant director, but he was like this badass. You should be watching like his show, man. That that, what was that world? No, not world's finest. It's Brave and the Bold, man. That's, yeah, that's really good. Batman. Yeah, that was yeah, a good Brave Batman. and the Bold. Is, that was a good Batman. Yeah, that's Ben Jones. He's a funny guy, man. He did a lot of Teen Titans. He was a director in Teen oh, Titans a lot. Yeah, that turned that fully coolie, fully coolie. Boy, they that's so much problem. Not, it's not coolie. a problem. I love it, but I just don't think we should all be imitating fully coolie. Yeah. Yeah. That's not productive. Fair fully cool to exist. But, you know, we've gone through basically Andre 3000, uh, or Class of 3000. I keep on saying Andre 3000. We've gone through Class of 3000. I mean, yeah, the same guy. Yeah, same thing. But we've gone through Class of 3000. Well, it was a good run. It only lasted two seasons. But, but since then, you haven't really slowed down yourself. You've worked on several incredible productions, you know, after that, like Adventure Time with a scrapped episode. Um, the Loud House as well. Okay, now, 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 the Loud House thing needs to be clarified because I've never worked on that show. Really? Some really? Reason, the, really? No, I haven't. IMDb keeps saying I've worked on it, and I've been to IMDb many times and said, "Hey, stop putting my name on that." I've only worked on one Nickelodeon show, and okay. that was Pick okay. Goat Banana Cricket, because mm. I direct, <gasps> I directed, really? on, yeah, I directed only on Pig Goat Banana Cricket at Nickelodeon. I have not, repeat, never worked on The Loud House. Okay. I may have worked okay. on a storyboard to take a test, but for some reason, I'm on the credit, and I, I would have liked, I would have been getting paid, and yeah. union benefits yeah. and all those nice yeah. things, and that's not true, but it's not my problem. Uh, I'm, there are shows I have worked on, but I can assure you that Loud House is not one of them. Thank you for correcting that. I apologize for that little mistake. No, no, it happens a lot. It happens a lot on on IMDb. They they do that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's for, a weird thing, but no, no, I, I'm very <laughs> adamant about that because I've noticed that on that thing. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Did I work on Star Trek too? I don't know. <laughs> 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 what, what other stuff no, did I forget I that I worked on that IMDb told That was Pickled Banana Cricket. But like I was trying to get with the question, um, but like with some of the, the more modern shows you worked on, what's been like the difference animating now compared to when you first started? The technology has changed and it, it's always changing. Um, we're, in the, we're in the middle of, we've gotten rid of the camera. That was the big thing that happened. 
the major thing, the removal of the animation camera. Uh, um, many of the things that required the time, like say Space Ghost, Flintstone, your filmation shows, anything animated requires time to draw. And then after you've drawn it, you need time to photograph it one frame at a time. And that's when you send it to the camera. And that's where the money is either made or lost on your retake. Mm. Right? Yeah. And so you usually get a creative retake and you have a technical retake. Uh, technical retakes mean that they shot something wrong and they will fix it at no charge. Career retake means you want something new placed in there because what you had originally you're not happy with, but it's not your fault because you only did what we asked you to draw. And that's where the money is made for overseas studios and the creative retake. Simpsons goes, well, m money's no object. And so that's when writers <laughs> stepped in and started to just rewrite entire cartoons until they felt it was funny. And it's not a good idea. I don't know why you have Jabba show up twice in the story. You gave me all the information I need about Jabba in the Katina. Why do you have him at the space dock? Oh, because you can afford to do the shot. But it's completely useless. Yeah, you know, Indy was going to lose the arc regardless. And it was doesn't matter. He was that point. It's, he's right. In, Raiders is pointless. He, he would have not. He didn't get the arc. So yeah. yeah, it's bad writing. Yeah. You just got to yeah. be aware of that before you, you know, put money into animation because it's costly to have things drawn back then. Yeah, I'm saying things from a yeah. from a perspective yeah. from like the '80s to like late '90s. Now we've lost the camera. Now we're digital, so now we have to put our hopes and everything analog. No more film. Everything is digital. It's dangerous, you know, one EMP and, you know, it's all crazy. Could It's not a good idea. But anyhow, that's where we are. But because of that, people have mistaken the new technology for speeding the process up or making things easier. It doesn't. It's just a different tool. It's a new pencil. It doesn't mean you can't, you, you can't, you're not drawing each of these. It just means that you traded your pencil for a digital pencil. But you still must do each of those drawings, 24 of them. Or not, and that's when you have your technology. It's going to be very exciting when we get to this uh, this next stage. Well, well, Jacking your head, you don't want. I was going to say, <laughs> I was gonna say well, considering speaking of digital, um, you've definitely advanced a lot more when it comes to digital age with your future Joe remixes that you're producing and putting on your YouTube channel and uh, and TikTok as well. How did those concepts come to be? I'm glad you reminded me because I guess I'm I'm late for my TikTok thing. I, I use a TikTok now because of the whole seclusion with the with the with the pandemic and you know if, if, if the TikTok is keeping me from going cuckoo basically. It's a little too late because we started dancing at the front of that, but that just got monotonous. <laughs> so we started to draw instead because it, it was coming to. I'm using the TikTok. Uh, answer the question, Joe. I'm using the TikTok as a as a chronological um, meter. Uh, it started out as like trying to learn the TikTok through dance, and then the first thing on TikTok, I think, is a drawing. 
So I knew we were going to put drawings in, but we had to learn the system. So if you look at the TikTok chronologically, you're going to see it go from drawings to dancing to more drawings to, I think it's Circus Girl. I think, yeah, I think Laurel Canyon shows up in there. Yeah. So we go to like the, the circus story with the animals. Yeah. That's what the flip book. We went flip book crazy. That's right. Yeah. Went flip book. And then we started taking the old Stevie and Zoya's and re-editing them because then we realized that that is a massive music collection in the TikTok library, just waiting to be exploited for cartoons. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, well, get going. So that's what we're doing now. We're taking the music off our old cartoons and just dropping in songs that fit appropriately into the footage. Was that also the idea for your future Joe remixes as well? That's that 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 is the future Joe remix. Okay. So okay. that's what that is. Okay. So you take, okay. You okay. take an old cartoon that you animated previously, and then you take the sound off, and re-edit it to like you know pick a bunch of songs and you get fifteen seconds to. It's like DJing off the fly to cartoons, which I've only seen once, and that was RZA, and not too many people are RZA, mm. and you need those pioneer uh dvjs that he has and they're awesome he this guy visa can scratch cartoons live on stage is awesome there we go yeah we go. he's he's for real <laughs> um yeah so the, that's what the um, TikToks um, are they're 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 musical numbers okay no that's that's awesome and i'm gonna leave a link in the description to make sure that everyone um may be able to see them because they really are very well done i really want to say well, I'm glad you reminded me because I, I'm, 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 I know I am, I think Frank, Frank Assassinatra is chasing him at the moment. So what you're seeing right now is a multitask because in the back of my head, I'm going through songs that I think will fit for the chase. So that's what I usually do. So there we go. Um, there we go. We're, we're, yeah, the other left side of the brain is working on songs while the right side of the brain is Working on story. Working on story. <laughs> but this TikTok, that's, that's pretty crazy, that TikTok invention. It's incredible. It's incredible to see that kind of creativity flow with TikTok. Yeah. They give you lots of really good covers and different versions of the same song, um, which is really fun. Um, that's the really hard um, part. Yeah. I was going to say, I know I'm out of questions. Uh, Richard, you had a question? Uh, yeah. So, um, what would be your dream project now? What would you be doing? And is there someone in particular you would really love to work with to make this project a reality? Well, let's see. At the moment, how do I explain this one? Okay, so Angelo is one of the top front in a band. Front men are, the, the art of front men is really hard to explain. Prince is a front man. James Brown is a front man. Mick Jagger is a front man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The front man is the guy who, who can play the instruments or he's a band leader. Ricky Ricardo is the front man. Um, Sly Stone. So Angelo is this front man from this other band, Fishbone. And we've been hanging out and the theory we're working on is trying to apply like let's call it the ska attitude to animation 
And so I'm, okay, okay, I'm kind of seeing he's letting me take some of his songs and animate, not animate to him. That's not the right term. Just making making a visual interpretation of his song would be the best description at this moment. We did a TikTok of that. That was the experiment. If, that, if anyone was confused, if they saw like the guy from Fishbone dancing around talking about being frisked, that's probably what that is because that was the TikTok experiment. What we did was shoot him in the center so everything could be shot. If you, you could watch it either in the widescreen on the YouTube or watch the TikTok, which we cut and made into 15 second pieces. So we shot his video within 15 second intervals in the event we could fit it onto TikTok. Okay. That made sense. Yeah, that's what, okay. that makes sense. That's what we did. So yeah. We're, yeah. we're trying to, you know, help, help. We're trying to help musicians, basically. Musicians need more help now more than ever because oh, yeah. it's been a bad year. Oh, yeah. We're trying to hook them up with, you know, like if they have a cool song, we're going to, Give them visual support. That's that's the whole thing. You gotta get a projector. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone should get a you, you wanna get a projector and you project there's no more tagging. No more tagging in the future. You use digital tags. Yeah. And we're gonna use projectors and just tag it and there's no need to paint over it because it we just pull the plug and it's gone. It's like like ninja ninja graffiti. Alright then. Well like I said, I'm out of questions. Do you guys have any questions? I I have one more question. Um, my question to you, my is, question to you what, advice what advice would you give, would you give to anybody who would want to get into that type of world of being like a director, getting into animated shows, or like I said, being a director of just TV shows in general? Like, what kind of advice would you give? Advice would Okay, this doesn't sound like Yoda, but uh, don't look for it. Don't look for it. Um, um, don't look for it. You will find it if it is your calling. If you practice, always practice, period. Mm -hmm. You can't go on stage and start to play guitar if you haven't practiced. So regardless of what you end up doing in the future, practice now for that whatever it is you know it's it's really imperative that we we need to practice everything everyone needs to practice more to perfect it we, we got to do that stop relying on this digital technology because sooner or later one well-placed electromagnetic weapon and then you'll go back to pencil so i wouldn't rely on this too much for everything we uh, what else? What's a good one? Follow your instincts in everything. Follow your instincts in everything. If it's wrong, then it probably is. So there's no getting around. There's a lot of people trying to dissuade you through telling you things. So education, I would think, is the most important thing at this juncture because a lot of things would not have happened if people were more properly educated. And that's the bottom line in all things. And so I would say education is the most imperative thing now more than ever because the 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 overstimulation by media streaming all of these things have oversaturated the human mind that they can't tell the difference of. 
truth and untruth. And you should be able to tell the truth and know the difference with your own eyes. If you can see something and still not know if it is right or wrong, then you got a problem. That means you need to educate more because the next time someone is being murdered in your vision by a police officer, I don't think you're going to just want to take a picture of it because that taking a picture of someone being murdered makes it a public execution. And it didn't have to happen because next time someone's going to put the phone down and stop the cop. And you don't want that because if the cops better educated, none of this will happen. So yeah, this all comes to education more now than ever immediately because there's a lot of idiots out there. And if the one idiot lets the other idiot do it, well, then we have a problem and we need to avoid that quickly because no one goes to space if they don't behave. I'm not going to be embarrassed out there. You know, oh, you're from Earth? Oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> I feel like a lot of us uh, might have that problem sooner or later. Hey, if you were Flash Gordon, would you come back from Mongo? No. No. <laughs> I'm going to come back to pay taxes, rent, taxes. Ask about the Beastie Boy adventures or MTV, because that's the real stuff. Uh, a follow-up episode would be nice. Yeah, I would. I would look more into like the rock stuff because there's a lot of things that happen there. Yeah, there you go. But like I was saying, that's all the questions we have. Um, Joe, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to sit down and chat with us. Um, I know that for most of us here, we can speak that you know we really do appreciate all that you've done with just all the shows that you've been a part of, like having a hand and helping us basically grow up. So we want to personally thank you so much for everything. <laughs> and well, then you can count my gray hairs, man. <laughs> I was about to say, but also thank you for, sh thank you for telling us about that hairstyle. Cause it is. It's something that was going to be burned in my memory now. It's real. I wish I was making this up, but no, no, this is all true. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 I'm glad you can see it. It's just like, that's good that you can verify that. Yeah, cool haircut, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. For those that don't so, know, what's your uh, YouTube and uh, TikTok, like, names and handles so that people can find your stuff and see more of your stuff? Oh, oh, oh. Um, I would go to Ace Conrad on YouTube. Okay. Okay. Uh, Ace Conrad channel. And then I would go to Joe Horn 50. Zero? Zero? 30? Am I Joe Horn 50? Zero? What am I? No, am I Joe Horn Zero? I think I'm Joe Horn Zero on the TikTok. Okay. okay. And like I said, for like those, I said, that's for those a weird program. You can get lost in there. Yeah, but, it's such but, a weird thing. But yeah, we, we got to do the other song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You but, guys should but, pick songs and just make us have to animate to them. That'll be fun too. Okay. I'd be more than happy to, to name a few out there <laughs> at some point. Um, but with that, I have nothing else to say, so I have to say for people at home, hasta luego, amigos. Oh, and before before I officially sign up, everyone's links that's been part of this call is in the description. I'll be sure to promote them. Thank you so much, everyone, for being part of this. <laughs>